there's potential there. And I could be a generator who is able to create all these wonderful things and have all this beautiful sacral energy, but it could also be the opposite. I could be in frustration. I could be burnt out. I could be struggling. So you look at this blueprint and it tells you where you could go. Welcome to the Projector Guidance Podcast, your source for unlocking insight into human design. I'm your host, Brandi Yates. Are you ready to dive into the spiritual depths of human design and uncover your unique energetic expression? This podcast is here to help guide you on your spiritual journey and open the door to aligning with your authentic self. By discussing the ins and outs of human design, we are here to help you radically embrace the process of discovering who you truly are. In this episode, I had the pleasure of meeting with Kialani Young, a 6'2 emotional generator with the left angle cross of spirit. Kialani is a human design mentor and transformational coach who helps people remember that they are capable of anything. We discuss how human design offers a unique perspective to quite literally unlock the potential within ourselves and live our lives more and more authentically. Through this system, we can become conscious of the experiential journey we take in our lives, understanding not only what's going on around us, but also our motivation and what drives us. We will also discuss things like how important type and strategy are, how human design can assist with deconditioning, the importance of living your design versus studying it, the beautiful dance between a generator and a projector, and what someone can experience through having a reading, and much more. Now, before we move forward with this episode, I want you to pause and take a deep breath and enjoy. So first, Kiolani, thank you for just even just being patient with getting on here with me today since we had so much technical oh, yeah. uh, difficulty trying to hop on here. Like I was saying about my third line and going live on TikTok, um, I was just experimenting with it, but having the difficulty with today makes me want to like, hmm, like you said, shy away from doing that. So um, not really sure how I'm going to move forward uh, with that process, but um, yeah, just thank you for being patient. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's fun to figure all these things out and test it. And I'm a six line, but I had my third line phase, <laughs> very intense, very, very, very fun. So I'm always experimenting with these things. Yeah. And so what we're going to talk about today, you're actually, this is the first episode of my podcast. Um, so I wanted to really hone in on like, what is human design? Uh, really <clears throat> to discuss the transformation that people can have through using this modality. And you're, you know, you're a quad, right? And I was like, yes, this is the person I want to bring on. I want to see what gets brought out of her um, through this um, experience. So thank you for joining with me today. Thank you so much for putting this together. I'm so excited. Um, I think it's so fun because, you know, while I create content on TikTok and love sharing about human design, the nature of being quad right and a generator is that it's about response. It's about what's pulled. So, you know, doing that on your own is a little bit different than talking to someone or being in client sessions. And I'm like, we're exploring worlds that can't really get into in a three minute video. So yeah. very excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, it's always interesting, or to me, I always find it interesting on how people find human design or how they discover human design. So if you could, I'm really curious um, how you got involved with human design. Yeah, so it was the beginning of the pandemic. So coming up on three years now, and my friend introduced it to me. Um, of course, we were just in this really wild time in the world. And I was reading A Course in Miracles. I was into astrology, all this spiritual stuff. And um, so I was having a lot of spiritual experiences on my own through Kundalini and just reconnecting and healing from PTSD and all this stuff. 
And then my friend was like, have you heard of this thing called human design? And I got the short report from Jovian Archive. You know, this, the websites, it's so clunky. And you're like, what is this? But then in reading it, I was like, there's something here. Like, what are these centers? What are they talking about? And that just kicked off this really, really wild ride. So it was a few months of like digging into it before I really started to get what it was actually about that I'd essentially been given this blueprint to my genetics and this understanding of like, it's like you get a user manual for your car. Now I had one for myself. Like, whoa, <laughs> where could this go? Yeah. Yeah. And because I feel like um, with me personally, you know, it found me um, at one of my darkest times, to be mm. very, very honest. I've had, um, I feel like I've had rock bottom multiple times throughout my life, speaking as a third line over here. Um, but for me, like you just said, that blueprint of your energy. And that was something I was in the midst of different modalities that um, were just helping me get to know myself, right? And then you find human design, and it is that roadmap. So if you could, what is human design to you? So human design to me is, it's like looking at this foundation, this blueprint of your genetics, and all the potential that you could express in your life. Because something that I've really um, explored is that our our blueprint, and I've kind of incorporated gene keys a little bit and studied gene keys, and I think that that expression of design is really interesting because it looks at your human design body graph, which is a very logical system, and it's incredible. I love it, but there's potential there. And I could be a generator who is able to create all these wonderful things and have all this beautiful sacral energy, but it could also be the opposite. I could be in frustration. I could be burnt out. I could be struggling. So you look at this blueprint and it tells you where you could go, but we're not necessarily just going to express that. So to me, it's this potential, this opportunity for you to look at how you're designed, how your energy is supposed to work and interact with the world around you, your communication style, your cognitive architecture. And it's giving you this blueprint that you can take and assimilate and create something from that. And you can express that in many different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I think it's always interesting too when um, where the human design system actually came from and how mm -hmm. it came from. And it's always like, you know, an obscured story that when people hear that, they're like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? Because, you know, raw. I think he found yeah. it, what, in the 80s? The night, mm -hmm. like 87 or something like that? Um and this modality was discovered through Ra, who channeled the entire system, which is just bizarre, right? But what's so catchy and interesting, when you look at his chart and you look at his energy, like, that's so him in his energy. He has that gate 51 right here to bring shocking and initiating experiences. And to me, that's that's what the human design system did. It shocked me. It initiated me into being able to heal my energy in a way that um, for me, it's almost like for the first time in my life, I'm like putting energy out, but watching it come back. Like before, I just felt like I was pushing and pushing and putting all this energy towards all these different areas. And I'm just grasping for something to stick somewhere. But for the first time, I have like 
strong boundaries around where I'm going to put my energy and how I'm going to utilize my energy. So the transformation that gets brought through, um, not just studying human design, but it's about living. Like there is that transition um, that I feel like you probably do and I do as well is helping people learn how to integrate this information rather than just continuing study it. Mm, that's such an important distinction because probably my first six months in design was studying, studying, taking in all this information, the living it, the integrating it, the embodying it was a totally different story. That's when your world gets rocked. <laughs> I had a first reading and it was, it was an interesting introduction to human design because looking back, I, I feel like the reading that I got was more just like reading from the definitive book of human design and all this information. It was great, but I was like, I didn't feel any, you know, any like spirit there, any embodiment, any like, here's my experience, you know? So it's different. It's different. You can learn it, but then actually living it is so, so different. And there's a shattering that can really happen when you're you know too much to go back <laughs> it's like oh boy you know it's this act of surrender because I'm not a, and, and I don't know if you experience more conditioning to be like a generator or be like a manifester but becoming aware of that of this like avatar that's been created and going I don't think that that's who I'm actually meant to be and your body's just dying to surrender. It's like, please just give me a fucking break, right? But the mind does not want to let go of control. And that that's like when my experiment really started. Yeah, honestly, like that um, very similar experience. What's really interesting for me, like I went through a transition where I was leaving one career, had no idea what I was doing, where I was going. I just... I gave up so much because I told myself, I can't go back into this mundane world doing something that doesn't put me towards my purpose. Like I, I will not. And I also have the channel of struggle. So I'm like, no, I am not going out here if it's not towards my purpose. And I remember I was pawning things. I was doing anything to pay my rent. It's not like I have to pay a lot. I live in an RV, but like, that's how much we were struggling. Um, but I remember my body, my body, not my mind. My body was like, will you sit still and just rest for a second? Like, if you just sit, I remember just crying to my partner, like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't keep doing that. I can't keep being this avatar that I've created for myself. I was acting like a generator. And for mm -hmm. me, my story is really, um, I feel like my story is intense a little bit because, but I also grew up with um, addiction in my family. So I have had to battle multiple addictions with myself um, in order to get to the other side. And human design, like you just said, it's your body was communicating one thing, but your mind has this grip of what it should be doing. And that's honestly when I found it, when I had stopped resting, when I gave myself permission to like, hey, it's okay, because I was trying to keep up with everybody else. And I was trying to prove myself, right? I was like, I can prove that I can, I can get out of this. I, pr I can prove that, you know, that I can be this strong person. Um, but then again, that was just me trying to prove my self-worth to absolutely everybody. But once I finally started listening to my body, honestly, that's when human design found me. And then ever since I've started applying just these simple tools, right? This, it's like this funnel that allows you to for me to be able to feel successful. Um, so mm -hmm. it just has, it's brought me so much expansion into my life. And that's why I'm so passionate about teaching it with other people. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have an undefined heart? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have, <laughs> I've got two, two defined centers, my spleen and my root and everything else is open. I got a completely open solar plexus, which is something oh. I was like, Ooh, I, I I'm waiting for the episode when we can just dive into somebody who has a defined solar plexus. And so I have an open one. I'm like, let's talk about the difference. <laughs> oh, it's so massively different. And I have two emotional waves. I have the 59.6, which is the channel of mating. And I have the 39.55, which is the channel of moodiness big emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all my partners have been undefined solar plexus people. So yeah. I, I think it's so interesting how we're normally with the opposite or we attract the opposite, right? That's kind of how, and um, that's what's so awesome about also human design, about learning about your partner so that you can, you know, support them um, energetically. And you mentioned that you also, you know, have gone through a lot of deconditioning yourself. So how has human design helped you decondition? Mm. Yeah. So when human design found me, when my friend introduced me to it, I had been on this path for, for years of healing, doing parts work, inner child work. The way I describe it is like human design didn't find me asleep at the wheel. I was trying to figure out where to go. I was stumbling around in the dark going, I know there's something else. Um, I had PTSD for like most of my life. I was a very uh, caged person. I, I think if you met me years ago, you wouldn't even write it just, it's not even the same person because I was so closed off and so disconnected from my emotions. I didn't cry for years and years and years. And so I had been going into this process of like healing and releasing and getting in touch with myself again. Um, going back and like reparenting my inner child, all this stuff. Right. But then what I was finding is that I was circling around the same issues where I was like consciously, intellectually, I would know, here's who I am. Here's what I can do. Here's how I should be connecting with people. But my body was having panic attacks or I'd shut down when someone tried to like connect with me because I was scared. And so my mind was just fighting my body. And so human design, when this, I got into the system, that's when everything shifted because I finally had this blueprint of, oh my God, everything makes sense. I have context for all of my life experiences. I'm a second line body. I do have a natural shyness. I am designed to withdraw. I don't need to be who I'm not. Because we always talk about in human design, like learning to love yourself and be who you are. But like, what does that actually mean? It's so intense. When you look at like, I have an undefined heart with gate 40. I'd spent my entire life trying to prove myself, making myself sick. I had an undefined throat and I had thyroid issues from trying to show up the way a defined throat person can. You know, I was just always trying to be certain, my undefined Ajna, um, looking for inspiration, scrolling on social media, just looking for something undefined head, being able to see that in this very neutral, like logical system, just telling me in a very black and white way, I was like, holy, I don't, I don't know if I can cuss on here. Yeah, but, go um, for it. <laughs> okay. I do cuss a lot. So I was like, holy fuck. Um, it just made so much sense. And then seeing that I had a defined solar plexus. I had the most conditioning, I would say, in my undefined heart, but also my defined solar plexus. And so it just like, this is my quad right tangent. So I do kind of just get going. But yeah, it just really showed me everything that I was and everything I was not supposed to be. And I learned that I had been living, trying to be my undefined centers and just suffering as a result of that without any understanding as to why. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel you so much for how much openness. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And that it's what you said. It, like, it really does. It just brings so much validation and permission. Like, permission I didn't even know I needed, right? Like, for me, this is, and this is whatever I'm going to say it anyways. But like, for me, one of the biggest deconditionings that this had brought me was I used to struggle with alcohol. Like, I used to be an alcoholic. I have two DUIs that went through and I had a third one that got dropped. Thank the God. So I struggled with alcohol for most of my twenties and my relationship today, I haven't had it. Um, I stopped drinking December, 2020, but just knowing that the G center is connected to the liver and just knowing that mine is open and then reflecting on all of my drunk experiences and how I wasn't myself, how I would literally go in directions that had nothing to do with who I was and would make unaligned decisions. My relationship, even with just alcohol, is completely like, I won't touch it. There's no reason for me to. Like, I truly know deep down inside that if I touch this substance, I am not myself. I lower my vibration. I completely lose my sense of identity and who I am. And for me, like just making that connection with myself, like, why would I ever drink again? Like, why mm. would I ever put myself in those positions where I continue to, because now I'm conscious, right? And like you said at the beginning, once you know it, it's like really hard to go back. Um, so it really has just been this really freeing and like I said, expansive experience for myself as well. Wow. Yeah, that's really beautiful. So you have an open G center as well? Uh, it's not completely open. I have gate yeah. 40 and uh, uh -huh. gate 51, but it is undefined. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that whole upper area of the chart of mine is open. And that was, yeah, the, the G center one was a big one for me as well. Um, being open there and finding an alcohol, you know, it's, it's interesting because it does create my experience. It allowed me to stay in spaces where I wouldn't otherwise be. It gave me that comfort. You know, you talk about liquid courage. It's like, it allowed me to reflect other people's identities. Whereas maybe if I was sober, I wouldn't really want to do that because I'm totally open to my G center. So it was like, well, if I, if I drink, then I'll feel comfortable. I'll feel okay here. And now to understand what was happening, like to understand the mechanics of your design and what happens, numbing your yourself, numbing your direction, numbing your self-love. It's just like, it makes so much sense why alcohol is so pervasive in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, <clears throat> One thing that gets people tripped up, like they look at the they look at the chart and they're like, this is just overwhelming. There's so much going on. There's these numbers, there's these lines, there's half colors, there's channels. Like, okay, like where would you recommend if someone's just starting out? Like where where would they start? Mm -hmm. Yeah, understanding your type and how you interact with the world around you. I think is underrated. And in my experience with a lot of clients I've worked with, they're like, okay, I'm a generator. Okay, cool. I'm a projector. Like, but like, what about all this? What about all these gates? And I always tell people in new to design, like, don't worry about your gates, especially don't even the unconscious, like that's, don't worry about that. Listen to the audios about like your type, understand how your aura interacts with the world around you, understand the role that you're here to play out, understand your profile, how people see you, this costume you're wearing how that shows up. Because um, when you understand these things, you start to understand like what, who you're supposed to be. You start using your actual strategy and authority because waiting is the hardest thing in the world. And I just 
skipped right past that when I was first in design. I was like, let me get into these gates and figure out what that means and all of that. And so I think it's great, but I would really start with type, profile, understanding strategy and authority and testing it, experimenting with that. And then my favorite thing to get into with clients is just the centers, understanding these behavioral patterns that are going on in their life, why they are stuck in the same position, the same issues, going for, you know, new jobs. And when it comes to salary negotiation, the body's like, oh my God, so afraid. The mind doesn't know what to do because they're living from that undefined heart, trying to prove themselves, unable to put a price on their value because we can't put a price on our value. We can't, but we we try, you know? Um, so really looking at the centers and seeing how those things are playing out in your life is transformational. And you could spend the first year or more just working on those things. Yeah, it was funny. I was listening to an audio the other day and this lady was, and it honestly, like it made so much sense. She was like, I wouldn't talk to a projector uh, in their first seven years of deconditioning for how clouded they are. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? But it makes sense because it takes seven years to decondition, right? And <clears throat> um, for me, like when you said um, where you should start, type is completely underrated. I don't feel like enough people spend enough time with just their aura. Like, do you know what your aura is truly doing? What energy is coming in? How energy is going out? Like just sitting with somebody without talking. And just experiencing the aura is a very intimate thing, which is why I don't believe many people can just sit in silence with another person because of how intimate it can be, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so when it comes to type and learning about, like for me, like just even just observing my projector aura, the biggest thing that I keep telling myself is like, I have to learn how to shut up. I have to learn how to just like, because my open throat is like, ah, ah, let's just, and then let's give the advice. So let's do this. Let's get seen. And like, truly part of my huge deconditioning is like, can I just sit here and shut up and just wait and wait for that invitation? And so for me, like strategy, right? Strategy is how you're going to enter into a new opportunity. And so somebody just learning about their type and their strategy, uh, their strategy they're going to put this boundary around their energy because that's what strategy is. Strategy is your boundary. When you don't follow your strategy, you're stepping out of your boundary. You're putting your energy in places that may not support you energetically. And so just spending the time and learning um, about your strategy can be super rewarding and very transformational on its own. Mm -hmm. It prevents so much interference. Even with, I've spoken with a lot of manifestors recently about how informing is a political strategy. It's not something that they have to do. It's meant to prevent that interference. You inform the people around you what's going on. They're not going to kind of get in your way. And now your aura can do its thing. It's closed and repelling because it's designed to move things. It's designed to impact. And the closed aura, it's one of the safest auras for me, like to just be around a manifestor aura. I'm like, oof, it feels so good. You know, maybe it'll, it might repel the wrong people for you, but looking at how that works, like the strategy is meant to protect you, like you're saying, to have these boundaries. So it works a little bit different for each type, but something that I've found to be interesting. So I'm a generator, so I'm here to respond, but with an undefined throat, I'm meant to be invited to speak. And so practicing not speaking. Now, this is where it's the challenge of deconditioning, especially with the people in your life is I would sit with this idea of, okay, 
I'm going to wait to be invited to speak. I'm going to wait until that energy is really invited. And then finding in certain spaces, they didn't want to hear me or they didn't really recognize like what I could contribute and realizing that for so many years, I was forcing my expression and my voice in spaces that weren't even ready to hear me. And that just the sitting and the waiting and the looking around and going, oh my God, I don't think these are my people. Like, I don't think this is the right room for me to be in right now. And it's nothing to do with the other person being good or bad or anything. It's just like that undefined G-center, undefined throat, like, wow, I'm really affected by the people I spend time with. I need to be in the spaces and with the people who really see me and value me. And for a projector, it's like even more intense. Yeah, 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 it does. Um, Real quick, though, can we, could you shed some light on what the types are and what their strategy is? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with the manifestors. Just touched on that a little bit. Um, the strategy for a manifester is to inform, inform people of the moves they're making, inform them of what's going on. They are designed to impact and initiate. And something that I don't know if it's it's really talked about enough, how creative manifestors are, that creative cycle they go through, their powerhouses, and they have a kind of a rest cycle that they go into. Um, and so they can, they don't have to initiate other people. They can just initiate their own creative expression, what they want to create in the world. Um, that informing is so that they can keep moving in their direction and not encounter interference. So that's why they're the type that it's referred to as like a political strategy, right? For the other types, um, like as a generator, my strategy is to respond. And as an emotional generator, it's waiting for clarity so i may have a sacral response in the moment if it's someone asking me to go to lunch like sure i'll say yes i don't need to process that for two days but if it's anything bigger than that because i'm an emotional generator i might have that initial sacral response of yes or no but then i wait until my solar plexus has had time to process before making my decision and for projectors waiting for an invitation is really about waiting for that recognition. And you can speak on this more, you know, as a projector, but for the projectors in my life, just witnessing their experience of being recognized and valued, it's like they just come alive. They do what they're designed to do, which is to guide. When I learned to recognize and invite the projectors in my life, everything changed. Because like when I was inviting their guidance and going, I know you're so good at these things. Or I value your perspective so much. Like, what do you think I should do? then they can guide my energy as a generator. That projector-generator relationship is really special in that way. Um, and then reflectors, it's that lunar cycle. They're more attuned to like the celestial transits in the moon. They're the only lunar beings. Um, so that 28-day cycle of waiting to make a decision is about waiting through that cycle of the moon to get all the information they need to examine it from every angle because every phase of the moon brings you something different. And I actually work with the phases of the moon as well. And I find that really beneficial. Um, examining like what's coming up depending on what phase we're in and transits that are going on. Yeah. And then manifesting generators. So they are a subtype of the generator. Um, they're still designed to wait to respond. And a lot of MGs I know, they struggle with like, they have that initiating energy, they can do it, but they're not designed to work exactly like a manifester. It's a little bit of that hybrid where they're still waiting to respond to something, having something presented to you, and then you can go and initiate. 
and they get things done really fast, very fast. I have a question yeah, for you. a quick rundown. Yeah, I do have a question for you. Um, kind of off topic, not off topic, but on topic at the same time. So because you're a generator, right? You have that sacral response, but you also have that emotional authority. Do you feel like with you, do you get a yes from your sacral? I guess like, can you walk me through a yes with your sacral, but a no emotionally? Like you're like, ooh, it was oh, yeah. a yes, but then you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Talk, talk to me about that. Because that blows my mind sometimes to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. So I have a defined spleen, sacral, and um, solar plexus, and a root. But I find that there's a, this mix of like intuitive hits moment to moment from the spleen. Could be I'm driving and there's a sense of like, go a different way. Or like, mm, not that person. And I find that's kind of my spleen like moving me and it's it's quiet. And it's very subtle. There's these little moment to moment things. These hits that I get. The sacral response feels like a motor being turned on. It feels like a lawnmower, you pull that thing back and it just goes. Um, and I think this is an area of maybe some confusion for generator types is thinking that the sacral feels like excitement. You're so excited. You're so passionate. The sacral center is a motor. It doesn't have that awareness. It tells you what you have energy for. So having a sacral response to maybe a friend text me and they're like, Hey, we're going to do something this weekend. It's going to be so fun. So-and-so is going to be there because really good to front load information for generators. Tell them the details, get their, get them like in that response, then hit them with the ask. And I'm like, yes. Right. And that's not a huge life decision for me. So I can go with my sacral response on that one and be like, great. I know I love these people. Um, I'm going to go to that thing. Now, if it's a job opportunity, if it's someone I'm meeting for the first time, the emotional authority is very different. It takes time. It moves slowly. So an example of sacral yes, emotional no, um, I did a lot of contract work. And so I was often meeting with new clients. I worked in marketing for a long time. And sometimes I meet with clients and have this like, yes, like oh, I can do this. I can totally you know, help them with this and do all their ads or whatever. And then after sleeping on it, after thinking about it a little bit longer, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel aligned. It doesn't feel aligned, you know, a couple of days later. And so the mistake I made for a long time in my life was jumping into something when I was feeling excited, when I was high on the emotional wave, and then finding out later, I didn't actually have the energy to see it through to completion. And so I would say yes to things. Because my sacral in the moment was like, it was like, oh, yes. But then it was like, no, 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 this actually isn't right. So it depends a bit on the situation, but any big life decisions, I would just look out for that. You know, if you're an emotional type, do you have that initial response of something's a yes? And you might be high in your emotional wave and then it comes down later. Or you could be in a low in your emotional wave and you might say no to everything. And a day or two later, you're, you're in that equilibrium again. And you're like, oh, actually, I do think that that's correct for me. Yeah. Would you say that <clears throat> with your solar plexus, it's almost like like on unknown experiences, experiences that you have never entered into before, right? But maybe with your sacral, because it was like you had the example of your friends, you have a had a routine, you know, these people, you kind of know the environments, you're like, yes, I have energy for that. I responded so I don't need to sit with it. So maybe like that solar plexus is for those big opportunities and the unknown, maybe that you've never gone into again, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it does. It definitely resonates that feeling of I might have the energy for something, but it's actually not correct for me. 
um, when it comes to like bigger life decisions, if it's a sacral yes, and then emotional no, it's like, oh, maybe, maybe I would have the energy to do that, but it was actually not going to lead me in the right direction because that emotional authority is, is at the top there that really presides, even though my sacral is like, wants to say yes to things or wants to say no, or I might be like, eh, I'm not really sure about that. And then find like, no, that's, that's, that's the direction I want to go in. And with um, having a defined solar plexus, there's really a need to give things time. And so sometimes I feel like the, the sacral energy thinks that it's running the show, but there's a need for time to examine things and explore things. I can't meet someone for the first time and know if we're really going to like be connected for a long time. I need to be in their aura a few times to really get a sense of like what that's going to be. Even though that gate 59 comes in and is like, on the bond, you know, the 59.6 channel. So yeah, it's just, it shows up a little bit differently and understanding that distinction between the sacred response and the emotional authority, which is so much quieter and it never feels like 100% clarity. It's like 80% is so helpful for emotional generators and MGs to know. Yeah. And you could even see the benefit for you even slowing down because you have that undefined heart center, right? So it's like, was it a full body? Yes. And like, this is where you working with your design, you can start distinguishing, like, was that a vibration in my sacral? Or is that me just amplifying this desire that I want to try to prove myself? Because you that excitement, you know, can sometimes I feel like get a little clouded. But if you have that defined sacral, so I feel like that's interesting. Um, in a sense of do you have a distinct awareness between the two? Um, in those situations when it's like, oh, is this my sacral? Is this my heart center that's coming through? How, do you have that awareness with you? Now I do. That the heart center for me had the most conditioning, like that in my solar plexus. I really dealt with the most conditioning there because with that defined gate 40, especially just wanting to provide, looking for that that community, who am I going to provide for? You know, um, that's such a strong theme in my life because, you know, we see like people pleasing can be associated with the solar plexus, the heart center. It can sound uh, to some people like it's a people pleasing thing of trying to prove yourself. But in my experience, it was that I couldn't even see my own value. I was proving my own value to myself from, from what I could do, from the promises I could make from the willpower I could force myself to exert, even though I didn't have it, because I couldn't see my own value unless I was doing that. It wasn't really about other people. They weren't necessarily pressuring me. It was me, especially amplifying defined egos. I grew up with a defined ego parent and that was a very, very challenging relationship because she had an undefined solar plexus. So you can imagine, you know, it's just very defined manifestation generator, like seven centers defined and I'm very open and I'm quite right. So that you, you find that these struggles really come up with that proving yourself and wanting to commit yourself to something just to show that you can do it and you can over deliver. You can just over deliver so well and learning to rein that in and understand that, no, my, I don't have the energy for that. My sacral is getting frustrated that that battery needs to be recharged. I need to stop making promises. That was life-changing. Yeah, I felt that. I felt that. I have gate 40 in my Mars and my Venus on my conscious side. Um, and so what you just said about how you trying to prove yourself, it wasn't really necessarily for other people, but it was also to prove to yourself and to prove your own value because it was hard or it is hard to see your own value with that undefined heart center. So yeah, that hit home with me for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And undefined G center. Who am I? Who am I if I'm not that? Who am I if I'm not the provider, the worker? <laughs> yeah. You have made an interesting um, comment that I saw about how someone should treat a reading. And I would love mm-hmm. for you to shed some light on that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I made a post talking about how to prepare for a human design reading. And I recommended to treat it like, any sort of like deep self-care or transformational experience, whether it's a massage, you're going to get some body work done, um, which, you know, you want to rest after, take care of yourself, get a lot of fluids or even therapy. Um, Treat it like that experience because I've had a lot of people come into readings and they're like, great, I'm so excited. You know, they might be like in their car, they're on their phone and and any way you want to show up is fine. But I just always encourage people, create a little bit of space for yourself because we're, we're not just talking about, oh, here's who you're here to be. And this is this gate. Like, no, readings aren't like that. We're getting into some really transformational shit. We can start talking about the defined centers and the type and what you're here to be. And all these experiences, all these memories start coming in and we get into the undefined centers. And it's like, here's who you're not here to be. Do you have this thing? Does this resonate for you? And they're just like, oh my gosh, it can be really intense. It can be very emotional. It's really, really powerful. And this information is designed to be transferred person to person on a cellular level. You're not just taking in the words. You were taking in the frequency. Human design is is something that it's designed to mutate. It mutates you. It changes you. That's why it can feel like this deconstruction and it's like, what is going on in my life? And there's a shattering because it's mutating. It gets in that system and it starts changing things around and you see the world and yourself in a totally different way than you did before. So I think sometimes that the potency of the reading can be a bit underestimated. And so I always like to encourage people to like create space, create time, have like some tea, have some water, get some food in, rest after, because people frequently leave readings going, I need to like sit with that. Like, I'm going to go take a bath and just process what just happened because in an hour and a half, my worldview was just totally busted open in the best way, but it's very powerful. Yeah, I love that analogy of a massage because working with many clients and like you, I laugh when you're like in the car because I've had people driving their semi trucks or and I'm like, are you okay to do this reading <laughs> right now? Like, I don't mind rescheduling. We can, as long as you know, like what's, you know, where I would like you to create this space. Um, and it, it 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 is. It can be very powerful, very transformational. Sometimes people are just speechless. So like I, I normally have a bunch to say, but I'm just processing everything that we just discussed because it can go into such a deep, deep level. And I feel like that example of a massage, like with a massage, you're not going to leave and go run, right? You're going to be like, okay, I need to sit with this. I need to let the toxins come out and I need to take a day or two off in order for the work that was just put out for it to really integrate and set in. Yeah. Yeah. Because as people who, as, as a guide, as you are, and as kind of like a human design mentor, as I describe myself to be, um, we're here for their experience. We're, we're doing this work, you know, we're delivering this for them. And so, you know, however someone shows up, like that's the the level we're going to work at, but in order for someone to come in and have this truly incredible experience, like we know the potential of it, 
And so it's one of those things where I'm like, oh man, I I really hope that this, like you're ready for this. You have that presence, you're grounded. I've started doing um, a little bit of like breathing beginning of sessions. I'll give them different like bilateral stimulation, EMDR techniques to really ground and connect to their body because they're going to receive something. The mind doesn't know what's going on. You know, the mind never knows what's going on. They came to us for a reason. I don't know if you've experienced this with clients going, yeah, I just found you. And like, I don't know. I just, I just booked it. And it's almost like they're like, yeah, I, don't, I was thinking about it later, but I don't know. I just booked it. It just happened because it's our, our body is always trying to return to its essence. It's trying to have that experience. It's our mind that really fights with us. So yeah, it's so, it's so powerful and so fun. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I'd always encourage people to come in and really like be ready for something very deep. Yeah. I like the way you said that. I think you said that way better than I would have been able to explain it. So I like that. (laughs) Um, Keolani, did you bring any questions with you today that you would like to ask? No, I'm sure I'll think of some as I, as I go through this. It's so funny when I've really like surrendered to being quad right and um, realizing that I I'm just so attuned to like, just commune with people and share, but like questions are something that they just come out. It's so in flow. So I, I just don't even like really prepare things anymore. And it's been very, very freeing, but I am really curious to know what your experience has been um, working with like projector clients versus generator clients um, and how that experience is. Because I feel like for, I always tell projectors, I always um, send them to other projectors for readings because that type for type guidance, knowing what it is to be a projector it's so, so important. And then with generators, there's kind of this sense of like waking up faster, but they're designed to create and build. So I'd love to know just like what your experience has been um, and how those, yeah, those sessions go and how everything kind of transforms. You know, what's crazy is that like, I feel, and I mean, this has happened with other types too, but more with projectors that I feel like in the middle of a reading I can truly see like a transformation or a switch happen. And it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> like that's, that's what that, and it just starts making sense. Um, so with me working with generators and I also do the same thing too. I'm like, but generators and projectors, like you said, they have that beautiful dance and they can have that beautiful connection to me. Hmm, I feel like when I leave projector sessions, they feel super seen. Like they are like, this is the most seen I have ever been felt. This is the most recognized. Like I I understand things. So it's like being able to see them for who they are and being experienced. But like, I've been in your shoes. I, I feel you. I hear you. Like I truly, truly do. Um, so being able to offer that guidance um to to similar to similar types and to similar energies. Um, it's been, it's been a very successful and rewarding experience for me. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question or not, but yeah, it's been, it's been, an, it's been, a. I feel like, yeah, whenever I'm talking with projectors, you can almost see them. Yeah. I don't know. You can see the switch. Sometimes you can see something click, you can see, um, and ex- feel that transformation just in one session that I've had with projectors. 
And mm. I'm sure that you can have that with other other types too. But for something with me, I feel like because I can get so specific about your type and your strategy, like with you, you posted a video the other day. You're like, I'm tired of people saying that generators need to be lit up. And I'm like, I'm listening. Like, what are you talking about? Because you have that lived experience, you know? Like I have moments where like my gut will vibrate and I'll come check. I'm like, what's going on in a transit? Do I have like, is that, so I'm like, is that a, a temporary experience that I have? Um, but with projectors, you know, living in that bitterness. And what I've also come to know is like projectors are one of the most, everyone's prone to being conditioned, but projectors are one of the most conditioned types in a sense of, you know, trying to act like an energy type, trying to act like a manifester or a generator, right? It's just going to put a projector in such this, these habits that are going to bring out truly the worst of them, right? Like when a projector is out of alignment, it feels like a puppy dog coming up and like begging you for attention. It's like, look at me. I'm right here. Like this, see me. I don't know. It's so yucky, right? Um, so yeah, I really, uh, my favorite thing is giving readings to projectors because I feel like offering that, that, that deep insight that you can take with your, I mean, with every type when every reading, it's the same way, but I don't know with projectors, I feel like I walk away with a different sense, with a different connection. Um, because you can just feel that transformation, not every time, but most of the time in those readings. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. Yeah, because understanding the lived experience is, and projectors for anyone who will be watching this who is, doesn't really know, projectors are here to guide energy. They're masters of systems, but they're here to guide energy. That's a really key part of that projector guidance. Energy beings, you know, generators, manifesting generators, there is a symbiotic relationship there that is so, so important. Projectors in my life have provided me the guidance of knowing how to actually apply my energy. And that is something that once it clicks, like what that actually means, your whole life will change. So I cannot say enough how important it is to have projectors in your experience if you are a sacral type. Um, because when you have the energy, when you have a defined sacral, it's it's always been there. You don't necessarily understand like the the value of it. You don't understand what's happening. So generators are just giving out all their energy like it's money, just just flinging it everywhere. And I will sometimes have projectors come on to you know TikTok and comment and be like, how do I be more productive as a, as a non-energy type? And I'm like, projectors are the most productive people I know because they understand energy. They don't waste it. They get more done. Like it's the generators and many gens I know that are like, they're burnt out. They're like, yeah, I spent like six hours kind of doing something. And then I don't really know, you know? We need projectors to guide that energy to get our satisfaction. And then that provides them that success and recognition for projectors um, often means money. <laughs> you know, they're meant to receive energy um, recognition. It, they need something in response to that. They're not here to work as traditional types. So um, I really encourage like any generator type out there, like work with a projector, do a session with a projector, because once you understand how to apply your energy and they can kind of guide you in that, it's really transformational. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to riff on that because I really think, again, it's an underrated thing, understanding your type and understanding that relationship between projectors and generators, it, it will change everything. And then of course, you know, working with, I love working with generator types. I love it. It's so fun because there's that lived experience. I'm like, I get it. I know. What do we need to transform? What do we need to grow here? Like, what are we going to do? You know? So it's so cool. 
I think type for type, I really see how that's such a special, such a special thing to experience. Yeah, it really, really is. And one of the things that honestly, like with, um, I've done readings with generators and manifesting generators and some of the most successful readings that I've had, I just had to ask a question. And I didn't even feel like I gave them the holy grail. I just would be like, well, have you, what about this? Or do you, like, I would just ask the most simple question and they'd be like, huh. And I would, people, they leave sessions and they're like, just you asking these simple questions really helped me navigate because generators, you guys learn through outside of yourself and having that projector ask you that question. And one of the things um, that I've even been contemplating, like, a generator needs to invite a projector in. But I feel like as a projector, I need to ask you a question like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, I need to ask you a yes and no, because you're inviting me. You don't really know if this is something that you want, right? You kind of um, yeah. initiate that. So in order for that to flow successfully, I myself as a projector would need to be like, are you sure this is something you want to dive into? Are you sure this is something, an area you want to cover? So being able to ask you that question back so that you can check back in with your sacral, be like, is this something that I do want to dive into? Yeah. I've also seen to be a beautiful transition um, with myself. So it is about learning how to ask those questions as a projector, which is something that I still continuously learn. It's not just about giving that, that guidance that you see. It's like, if I see this, how can I ask the question so that they can initially guide themselves? Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know how... Um... The, the recognition piece, this is so interesting to me because I've, I've heard a lot about that dance between projectors and generators. Like, well, if generators are here to respond, but projectors are meant to wait to be invited, who, in, who invites and what happens, right? And I think sometimes the mechanics and the language can overcomplicate something that is just so human. Um, and so I'm wondering if you, if you're connecting with a generator or you're sharing space and maybe they don't invite you in to be like, Hey, can you guide me? Do you feel like there's such a thing as like this energetic recognition where you feel like they're kind of seeing you and then you could maybe ask that question because they don't necessarily know what you can do. Generate, they don't really know what projectors can do. There's a sense of like that, that absorbing aura that's hooking onto the G center. But yeah, do you feel like there's such a thing as like, there's a sudden openness where you see they're recognizing you without necessarily articulating that. And then you could ask them that question. This is where that instant bitterness is going to come up if you're wrong. <laughs> so yes, like I can feel, you can feel like I'm like, mm, I, it's almost like an energetic opening, right? Um, and that's what's one of the things that's interesting, you know, as a generator, you guys don't have many boundaries around your energy. It's just like, we can get right in there. And so one of the things that I've also been working on is like, yeah, we can get right in there. We can see things. Um, and so like, I feel like I can feel and see like, this is my time. This is it. This is, I can really help improve some efficiency here. But again, if I do this, if I truly, if I say something or I, I give that guidance, it's a 50 50 shot. It really is. It could go one way, but if, but, um, and that's where it's just like, if you're continuously continuing doing that, um, I feel like it doesn't go very well. Like you truly do. You still have to wait for that invitation because even if I say something, even if it is successful, did they really see me though? Did was I really mm. recognized for it or did I just help them? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like did it, and then it just happened. So, um, that recognition part is a huge key, 
it really is a huge key. And I don't know if just going off of energetic openings is the best thing to do. Um, I feel like when we when you take that method and it's wrong, right? That's when you're going to meet that resistance immediately. And that bitterness is going to show up. And you're gonna be like, ah, wasn't invited. They weren't ready. It's all okay. And so instead of just having those moments, because it also it's sometimes it's embarrassing. Like truly, it hurts my soul. Like it, it that bitterness just goes right down to my stomach. And I'm like, <gasps> Oh, okay. Um, we'll never do that again. Like it only needs to happen once really for me to be like, ah, and then, and then I, I distance myself with people. Right. And then I'm like, oh, now I need to back up. Now I need to give them some room because I wasn't invited. I just like probed into their aura. Cause that's also what it feels like, you know, when I'm not invited, it feels like I just kind of go in and it's like, here you go. Um, and it doesn't feel as best or in flow when there is that recognition and there is that invitation. It truly is that process that allows that energy to feel magical and successful. Um, so that's a tricky, tricky situation. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think that was so helpful for any projector to hear who's <laughs> going to be watching this because I hear this talked about sometimes this energetic invitation. I'm like, hmm, does it actually feel like how does it go you know there's this curiosity there because like as a generator um I have experienced that with projectors looking back I'm like they may have just given a little bit of that advice or have you thought about it this way and perhaps for a moment maybe I was like oh yeah no, you're right and then that's oh, not you don't know you know no, 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 no. you know that that thing that happens and it's like a little bit of frustration maybe. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, I, I maybe had a little bit of like, okay, you know, a little bit of that recognition, but it wasn't all the way there. It wasn't all the way there. It took time for me as a generator to really see projectors valid, like what they can really provide, like to understand what they're actually doing, that it's coming from this place of like, that's what you're designed to do is from this place of love. Now it's so, so, so different, but I think I, you know, it created a lot of bitterness and frustration in those relationships where I hadn't fully invited that projector in to guide me. And because of my own, um, self-worth challenges in the heart center, oh my gosh, if I got some, that guidance, right. Even if they were right, it felt like a threat to this kind of avatar of like, no, I am this, you know, provider. I am this person that's holding on to an identity that I'm not even supposed to consistently have. So it can really um, trigger a lot of these things to come up when that guidance is, is kind of given, but it's not, I don't understand what's happening there. I don't understand what they're doing. And now my relationship with projectors is so massively different because I'm, I'm like accepting that. I'm accepting that I'm letting them guide my energy and understanding that they may see things that I'm very insecure about or that have been a big struggle point for me. And they're there to, to, to help. You know, it's not, it's not an accusation. It's not judgment. It's not critical. But I think sometimes that's how it felt because I didn't understand. And it felt like a threat to my kind of this, this thing that I'd created that wasn't really me because projectors can see beyond that. Yeah. The thing about that recognition part and then we go back to like the energy types. This is where it like I it boils down for me. That recognition part is the first energetic exchange that you're going to receive from another person. And as somebody who is not an energy type, 
that's huge, right? Again, with projectors, we're very attentional with where we're putting our energy because we don't have this abundant or recharging in a sense. And so when somebody recognizes you, you know, that gives you um, that, that energetic exchange. But when there is no recognition and you just think of some, oh, this is an energetic opening, you're taking a huge risk of being able to provide that guidance, but not getting again, any exchange back. And that to me is where that bitterness comes in. It's when the energy isn't equal. Um, and that's where that recognition, it feels equal. It feels like there's an exchange and it's like, ah, this feels successful. Um, but if we're just giving, you know, invitation, invitation, invitation. Yeah, that doesn't, I'm just giving this energy, but not getting any back. Mm. That actually brings up a question, something I'm very curious about. So I know that you you work in this space and you work with clients, but how do you feel about projectors in general, guiding people, guiding friends, guiding loved ones without like financial compensation? Like what, what are your, just your thoughts on that? Because 70% of the planet, you know, have defined sacrals. They are here to create, to build, to work in, in some traditional sense, although it looks different for every person, but projectors they see, they advise, they guide. So what about all the projectors who are guiding people around them all the time, but potentially, even if they're being recognized and invited, what about the exchange? What about the compensation of, of that energy? So that was, I actually wrote down in my notes, like pricing with an open heart center. For some reason, I wanted to bring that up with talking <laughs> to you, but this is also a yeah. beautiful way because with that undefined heart, for so long, like I used to be a fitness coach. I was giving advice left, right, working with so many people, not getting the exchange that was fair at all. Um, and it's really hard, I feel like, especially with an undefined heart, to ask for that compensation because of your worthiness and your relationship with your worthiness. And you're like, oh, I just want to do this for free. But as a projector and, and working in this field, I've actually had... Um, I had to sit with myself. I'm like, am I charging too much? Am I not charging enough? But in order to survive and to live in this world, there has to be some sort of compensation, right? Like I feel like um, that guidance that people receive from projectors, you can you can really get a lot of transformational or empowering guidance in a short amount of time. Why would that not be compensated for? Like, why would somebody not give, you know, some sort of exchange for that? Um, so it actually took me a while to get comfortable with asking for compensation for this guidance, because I didn't value myself and I didn't recognize myself. And I think that's also the key is like, as a projector, like you have to recognize yourself as a guide, you have to recognize yourself as somebody who is going to be able to step into these situations and to be able to offer, um, you know, that, that, um, that guidance to other people. So where was I going with this? Um, I think it's important. I think that um, in order for, yeah, I think it's important, um, especially in today's society. But how do you feel? Um, I, I saw a video about this girl talking about spiritual compensation. So I'm curious what your take on, uh, your take on it is. Yeah. So as, as a generator type mm -hmm. or just in general. Yeah. So um, pricing is something that that always been a struggle money. I come from the background of 
poverty. So that was always a theme in my life. Um, so it brought up a lot of, I think like financial trauma is something that people are really becoming aware of. Um, and it's really, really good to dig into if you did not grow up with resources or felt you didn't have access to resources, because that will continue to play out in your life. Mm. Especially if you run a business and even if you're just working at jobs, knowing what do I accept? What's the right, how do I negotiate? Because there's this feeling of, for me, it was like, let me just try to get a little piece of the pie and just a little, I'll be okay if I just have a little piece and like, then that's great. I won't ask for more. This feeling of like worthiness and something that um, a coach I worked with told me, they were saying, you cannot charge based on your value. There's no price because your value is not something you can even quantify. What do you charge a million dollars for an hour? You know what I mean? You can't put a price on your value as a person, as a human, your essence, your soul, your spirit. So you need to price what either feels right, it feels correct, um, is adequate and and fair compensation for your your lifestyle. Look at your bills. Like get into actual nitty gritty of what do I need to live off of. Um, and then if you are a business owner, I mean, talk about a fast track to all of your self-development, all of your stuff coming up, owning a business, everything has come up, everything. And pricing is something that I've really had to sit with because I, um, didn't have access to resources for a very long time. And so that's something that I can potentially project onto people. Though maybe they don't have the resources, but I'm going to try to serve them. And what 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 pricing works for them? Like I just want to be here for you. And sure, I'll take you know, I'll take sixty dollars for a session. You know, back when I first started, because I was like, yeah, totally. But then going, wait a minute, I'm not I'm not earning enough. I'm not being fair to myself. My pricing is not accessible or sustainable for me. So sometimes we leave ourselves out of the equation when we look at sustainable, ethical, accessible start with yourself start with what's sustainable for you know that you can never put a price on your value so you need to price what feels correct and if you have a business and you recognize your business as an entity that's separate from yourself you connect with spirit of your business and 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 be like what's the correct pricing for this service and sometimes it's uncomfortable for me it's it's uncomfortable feeling like it's higher than I would feel comfortable charging. And that requires me to integrate this next level of myself and embody something. But then at the same time, I could go to another person and they say, oh, it's $2,000. And I'm like, okay, great. I will dotted line. So, but I, you know what I mean? Then we try to, you know, charge what feels correct. And it's like so scary. So I think the undefined heart has a lot to do with that. And I'm lucky to have some people in my life who are, have defined egos and they've helped me with that. And they're like, what are, you, what are you doing? Charge more? Are you kidding me? Someone's messaging you saying that they're, they no longer have migraines. Their relationship is so much better. They're feeling all these things after a two hour session. And I don't feel comfortable charging, charging for more, what feels correct for me when someone's just had a transformation. So I think a lot of things play into this, especially in human design is understanding how to sell and market and be able to make the intangible more tangible for clients to understand like the service you're actually offering, like what can they expect as a result? 
And that for me is something that's really hard to do. That's definitely my biggest like sticking point is like actually communicating what they can expect, what actually happens in a session. So testimonials from clients can really help, but yeah. Okay. So I'm going on a really tangent here, but it's just such an interesting thing when looking at pricing because it will never feel like if we go based off of our worth, we're not, I don't think we're going to find the right pricing. It has to be, if you treat your, your business, what you do, even if you work for a company, treat your skill, your service as something that's separate from you as a person, a different role that you're playing. It's different charge based off of that, not your emotions or how you feel about yourself, because that's where things get really messy. In my experience, that's what tripped me out for so long. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this and your experience with this? No, I mean, honestly, like, um, when it comes to pricing, it's just with that open heart center. And like you said, like how much is, how it's your value and placing, placing a price on your value, but then also thinking like, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. Um, there's just, um, sorry, hold on. Uh, for me, it took a while for me to even be comfortable. And I think you even said it well, where you're like, I feel like I may even charge too much sometimes. Did you say that? Right. You, you feel yeah. that way. Um, that. Be comfortable. Right. And I even think about, mm, I should be charging more. I should up, I should do this. Um, and it's always something that I have to sit with for a while. It's something that I have to um, work through because my heart center is my biggest conditioning center. And so it is something that I feel like I still kind of struggle with um, because I also grew up in poverty, did not grow up with resources. Mm. Right. So it's just still one of those things where, um, getting into that mindset of honestly trying not I'm working on my mindset in a sense of lack I notice that a lot of my patterns when it comes to um my thoughts it it it, it shifts from uh optimism to pessimism really quick <laughs> right and I feel like as a third line going through so much trial and error like that's one of the downfalls with third lines and I always try to catch it and be like no you have abundance you have this you have that um so even when it comes to just pricing it really trickles down to all these little things um with myself and so it is something that I struggle with I feel like on a consistent basis on like am I in a line with my price and I feel like maybe if I am uncomfortable it's something for me to look at, right? Because maybe if I'm comfortable, I don't, I don't know. If I'm comfortable with my pricing, I don't know. I'm going to have to sit with what you said for a second about being uncomfortable with that pricing. Yeah. Yeah. This is something that I feel like we could have a whole another episode just talking about money because this is such a theme in, in my life. And it sounds like perhaps in yours as well, but that, that undefined heart and like, pricing and charging and, and spending money and financial lack and that feeling of scarcity, trying to, I've always tried to convince myself I'm in abundance. I have everything I need, you know, I have food and shelter, but then my body's panicking. Um, so nervous system work has been really helpful for me to integrate, but really the pricing thing is, is challenging because like, how do we, how do we put a price on that and separating my business from me as a person has been the most helpful thing. Because if I look at it as like me, they're paying for me, then then it gets really messy and clouded, right? Um, clients are coming in to receive something, a service that I provide, and it is a co-creation. It is a co-creation with my business. So yeah, treating my business as a separate entity, 
that's a, something that I spent a few months really working on and that transformed it because I was attaching my own thoughts and feelings and struggles and conditioning and projections onto the service that I was providing. And it needs to be separate. And something that I think when looking at pricing and I've, I've seen, I will see people comment about like, oh my gosh, $200 for reading or $300 for reading to other people. And to me, and they go, oh my gosh, that's so much. Like, how are people charging these prices? And I think there's a, there's just, there is an understanding of what's actually being provided. And especially for a projector, how many, how many sessions can you really do in a day? Because I max out at about two. Two is absolutely the max because it is a like, yeah. So, I mean, for a projector, guiding someone, what that takes for you to like do that is really, really intense. So it's not like you can do eight sessions a day and be you're making all this money. I think there's just a lack of understanding of what you're actually doing as a service um, and the transformation that can be expected because this is not something that people need to come back and have a new reading every single week, you know? But yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Especially as a projector, like what you're providing, the amount you can actually work and, and meet with clients based off of like the value of that exchange. Yeah. At the beginning, I can tell you that like I leaped in full, full head. I was like, we could do this. And I was doing, I think I, one day I did three readings and I, I was nervous the next day because I didn't have a whole lot to give. Um, so it really does about being intentional and about how many readings two is like the max. But even if let's say if I did two every day of the week, that would hurt like me physically. Like that would be a lot. Like even just doing one reading a day, I have an open throat. Like I am not meant to talk all the time, every single day and doing readings you know, majority of the talking is coming from the, the guide um, to the to the individual. So um, it really has been an experience on how much because at, at the beginning, I felt like when my prices were lower, I had a lot more response, um, which makes sense. And it was really great practice for me, I was able to get a lot of reading done a lot of get um, of repetition, and being able to find my own flow and how I wanted to um, interpretate it right and find my style. And yeah, when it comes to today, it's like one reading to two readings max. And even then, like even with you and I, as soon as we get off of this call, I will go outside. I always go outside. Like I have to go, I will take my shoes off. I will stand in the grass or I will go for a walk and I will just breathe. And it's like, I have to get back into my own energy. And I'll even do a meditation where I will pull myself back in and drop down into my heart space. Because as a projector, we're always out always out we're always looking at the other learning through the other always looking to plug in like who can I help what can we do um and so for me like once I'm done with an exchange I feel it and it feels heavy for me and so um getting that space every day to be able to just release and to go back in and just to feel the beat of my heart like that's what I aim for when I bring myself back in and bring myself into a center, um, because doing readings and doing them consistently can continuously pull me out of myself, right? And that gate 40 is like, let's keep serving, let's keep serving. So I have to be intentional to bring myself back in so I can get the rest that I need. Yeah. 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 With um, the majority of people being uh, generator types, 
and having access to consistent energy, there's what I really want sacral types to understand is not everyone has that. Not everyone has that ability to recharge for, you know, a couple of minutes. And I, and I know a lot of sacral types are really burnt out. So they may be like, I'm exhausted, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's like to feel exhausted. Like a projector gets exhausted where, you know, I know some projectors who are like some nights I need to sleep 12 hours just to recover. There's, there's not an understanding of the role that projectors play and how, but once there is like a, an aligned generator an aligned projector magic because they can both provide each other something so magical. And so the exchange, you know, doesn't always have to even be a financial exchange for some people who are curious about this with like relationships in their lives. Perhaps you're a generator and you're really good at doing like handiwork or you don't mind taking the projector's car, go to get a detail, get a wash, you know, fix some things like do, do things that their energy is not, is, is not meant for that. They don't have the energy to do. You know, just kind of look out for your people and have that sense of community and understand that everyone's so different that we can provide different things. And if everyone's really living their type, living their role, it's perfection. It works so well. The mess comes when we're all trying, I'm trying to be a manifester. My projectors are trying to be generators. We're all just like living our not self and don't understand how to like support each other. But I also, this is also my tribal definition, my tribal circuitry speaking here. Yeah. Yeah, I want to live in a world where people are really projectors are like adequately compensated and recognized and seen and are expected to work in the way that other types work. And for for compensation, you can't put a value on projector guidance because you can talk to a projector for 30 minutes and then the entire trajectory of your life has shifted. The way you use your energy has shifted. So how do you put, is, is $200, $300 a lot for that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like- yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> yeah, no, I would love to bring you back on to talk about that. I really, really would. Um, Kiolani, do you have any final words for our audience? Mm. You know, one thing that we didn't talk about was variable. And this is an advanced aspect of design. So I know not something we're going to get into on this call. But I would say something that's really helped me in my process. If you have a lot of right facing arrows at the top of your chart, those variables, I'm quad right. Something that has transformed the way I live and the way I approach design is understanding the way my cognitive architecture is, is set up, how my brain works. Um, so anyone coming into this system who's like, how do I apply this to my life? Understanding type and all these things is great, but if you can understand a piece of that cognitive architecture the environments you're designed to be in, the way you're meant to take in information and food and frequency, the way your brain is designed to work. I had a lifetime of suffering before I understand that my brain is like absorbs, but I can't recall my own. It's like a vault and I don't have the key. The people I meet have the keys and they can, they can access certain things. I can't get that on my own. So I meet some clients who, um, Whenever they have a lot of like receptive variables or the quad right, I'm like, let's talk about this early on. Let's understand how your brain is designed to work, how you perceive the world around you, because that's going to inform the rest of your process. So sometimes those advanced aspects can come in first to understand that before you really dive into the rest of your design. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as well. If you if you get into variable much with your clients and like notice that difference between the very receptive and the very structured strategic, but I find it makes a massive difference in the deconditioning process. 
Yeah. I mean, especially the subconscious side, right? If we can set up our subconscious, then our conscious can play out how it's, you know, how it's meant to and how it's meant to be here. So that is something that um, I definitely focus on with my clients. And I would love to dive in with you. I want to bring you back on to talk about variables because I just find quad rights. I'm three parts left, one part right. Um, mm -hmm. Perspective is right, right? So I just have this general okay. peripheral perspective, but everything else is left. And man, <sighs> The opposite of you and me is just, I just wanted, yeah, it's something that I do want to dive into um, with you because I find it so fascinating because for me, I have to be focused. I have to have routine. I have to go into the past. I have to have things set up, right? Like I have to have questions um, for things to focus on. And for you, it's the complete opposite. And I am so fascinated um, in, the, in the way that the variables play out. But I will say when it comes to variables, for those of you that are listening, you do need to have an accurate birth time in order for you to start messing with variables, right? Like if you don't, if you're like, well, I might've been born at this time, maybe 30 minutes later, like even if you're one of those people, it, the variable could change. And now you're diving into the deeper parts of your design that may not be directly connected to you. So if you are diving into variables, I highly encourage that you triple check your birth date um, so that you're not, I don't know, making yourself more confused than maybe you already are. Yeah, very important call out there. And yeah, that would be so fun to talk about. Um, I love my 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 left people. Um, it's so much, it's incredible. Again, that relationship between like the right and the left. And this it sounds like we're talking about politics here, but um really understanding the differences and how our cognitive architecture actually works. Like my girlfriend, she's three parts left, one part right. And it's amazing. I'm like, she provides so much structure for me, so much help. Like there's really just we can't do this on our own and deconditioning on your own is really hard. Community is really, really important. Being able to talk to people is really important and to understand and be able to like have that, you know? Yeah. So we, we got to talk about all this because it's very, very interesting to look at like what we provide each other and how these strategic people, oh my gosh, your guys' questions. I would have never thought about that because I'm just like here, <laughs> just like existential, just presence, you know? Um, my brain doesn't operate in that way, you know, it doesn't find those little things. So I also find it really helpful to work with um, when looking at guides or mentors or coaches. I'm looking for people who have that opposite. Like, what do you have that I don't? Your projector, you can help guide my energy. Amazing. Oh, you're, you're mostly left? Great. You have that structure that strategic mind that I want, I want that. What can you pull from me? So that also really, oh my gosh, it's just, it's so cool. It's so fun. I love design. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kiolani, thank you for coming on here with me today. All right. That concludes our episode of What is Human Design? If you're wanting to connect with Kiolani, you can find her on TikTok at Kiolani Young or on Instagram at Your Genetic Story or you can go to her website at yourgeneticstory.com. To connect with myself, visit projectorguidance.com or visit my social media platforms at by.brandyyates. These episodes are recorded live on TikTok, so if you are interested in catching these episodes before they are released, hop on over to my page and click the bell at the top so that you can get notifications for when we are going live. Those who subscribe will be given a chance at the end of the session to be able to ask questions and answered in real time. Thank you all for joining us today. Until next time.